Today we talk about letrozole, also called Famara, and Clomid. I'm Dr. Mark Amos, and this is Taco About Fertility Tuesday. I know we spend a lot of time talking about IVF topics and a lot of the things that happen in IVF, but I wanted to spend some time going over some of the basics. Again, talking about some of the simple things such as Clomid, Famara, IUIs, uh, just to answer some questions people have about that. And tonight I want to talk about Famara and Clomid just to give you a better idea of how these meds work. And by understanding how they work, you may have a better understanding of why just going up on the doses isn't going to help you that much. So let's start first with who needs Famara, who needs Clomid. So Famara and Clomid are medications that are called ovulation induction drugs. What they do is, is they help make you ovulate or even help make more eggs. Now, the question is, if you're already ovulating every month, is it going to benefit you to do something like Famara or Clomid? So for example, I'll see people who get a period every single month, which means they're ovulating. And then they'll go and see, let's say, an OB doctor, and they'll say, let's get you on some Clomid. And then for the next six months, they'll be on Clomid or Famara, trying to get pregnant, taking the medication. But in reality, it's not going to help much in this situation. Because if you're already ovulating and you tried for a year, then Famara and Clomid are only going to make you make, let's say, a second egg. So most people, after just three months, 50% of people are pregnant. By six months, 70%, and by one year, 85%. So if you've released 12 eggs in the last year, then why would a medicine that's going to make you release a second egg get you pregnant? I always joke around and say it's not like your body's sitting back going, Okay, I know we've been doing one egg per month, and I really appreciate it, but I'm really not going to allow you to get pregnant until I get at least two eggs, and then I'm going to think about it. No, in reality, if you're not getting pregnant with one egg a month over a year, 12 ovulations, and everybody else by three months, 50% of people are pregnant, then taking a medicine like that is not going to benefit you. It might make you feel good. You might even get pregnant. But it wasn't because of the medication, because all the medication would be doing is, is increasing the number of eggs. Now, I know it seems like, but Dr. Amos, doesn't that seem like that would improve your chances? You'd make more eggs? And, and the answer is sort of. But my analogy would be, think of a lottery ticket. If you buy two tickets, you definitely have a better chance than if you buy one ticket, right? It's, it's technically double your chances. But the absolute benefit is minimal because your original benefit was low. So if you go a whole year and you haven't got pregnant, then that means you have infertility, which means your chances are actually very low of getting pregnant naturally. And so taking something like Clomid or Famara might bump your chances up, but it's going to be so negligible, you won't really see it. Now, on the other hand, if let's say you started Famara or Clomid before you started trying to get pregnant, then it would benefit you because now you would be taking a medicine you don't need to take to try to improve your fertility. 
and then making two eggs would help because now you don't have infertility. And so it would, it would make sense, at least in that situation, although it wouldn't make sense to put someone on medication if they haven't tried on their own. So then when is the right time to use clomidor femora? Well, the, the best time is when someone's not ovulating. So when you think of women who have polycystic ovarian syndrome or who have oligoovulation, which is just a fancy word of saying not ovulating all the time, then in that situation, it's very helpful because clearly nobody gets pregnant without ovulating. So now if you can take a medicine to get you to ovulate, you can improve your chances of getting pregnant. The other situation that comes up is if you're doing ovulation induction because you're doing, let's say, inseminations. Now, in that situation, you're not giving the clomid or femara that gets someone pregnant. You're doing the IUIs, intrauterine inseminations, to help them get pregnant. But you're using the clomid and femara to make an extra egg or two because at that point, you will help improve their chances and, in the end, lower costs because you'll get pregnant faster. Let's take a step back just to understand what I'm saying there. So what I'm saying is when you try on your own for a year and you don't get pregnant, but you've been ovulating every month, there really is no benefit to clomidor femara because now you're so infertile that the increase by making a second egg is too minimal. Now, in the situation where you're doing IUIs, there is a benefit because the IUI is what's going to get you pregnant, but the femara and clomid will get you more eggs that can now work because you're doing the IUIs. So now that we've established when clomid and femara are good, let's talk about them. What doses do you start at? Or should you go up on the doses if it's working? I see this a lot of times where a patient will be with a doctor and they have around 50 milligrams of clomid and it's making two eggs and everything is going fine and they're upset because they didn't increase the dosage. Or the other situation that comes up is someone is using, let's say, Famara, and you go up on the dosage, and they go up on the dosage, and nothing happens. The question is why? And you're going up on the dosage. Now, in that first situation, when it comes to Clomid, Clomid is what's called a CIRM, a Selective Estrogen Receptor Modulator, which means it does different things at different areas. And so what's unique about Clomid is that when you take Clomid at the pituitary gland, which is in the brain. It tricks the brain to think there's low estrogen, and then the brain releases its own natural hormones from the pituitary gland. But the problem is Clomid also does negative effects at the endometrium and other places. So the problem is, is if you go up on the dosage, you could potentially cause the negative effects to be higher than the benefits. And so usually with Clomid, you want to use the most effective dose and you don't need to go higher once it's working. The definition of working would be you're either getting ovulation from someone who wasn't ovulating, or two, you are getting multiple follicular recruitment. Now, Femara is a little bit different. With Femara, it also tricks the pituitary into making extra hormones. But in this situation, it works through lowering your estrogen. That's the only thing it does. It's called aromatase inhibitor. It blocks the conversion of testosterone to estrogen. And so if your body can't make the estrogen, the, the brain looks and goes, hey, where's all my estrogen? And makes more hormones. Because in the end of the day, all the body's trying to do is get your hormones back up. It doesn't really know if there's an egg there or not. It just knows when the hormones are low, it needs to make hormones. 
So with Femara, if you go up in the dosage, you won't get some of the negative effects at, let's say, the uterine lining because it only affects one thing. However, you may get more side effects, which may make you miserable and you may not want to do that. But I think the more important question is, is that Femara and Clomid don't make hormones themselves. So when you take a medicine like Golenlef or Folistim or Menopure, you're actually taking the hormones directly and causing your hormone levels to go up. When you are taking Femara or Clomid, you're just tricking your body into releasing its own hormones. So the relationship between going up on the dosage is not going to be direct with the hormones coming out. If you go double of the hormones of going left, you have double the hormones in your body. But double Femara is not going to do that because the pituitary only has so much hormone. In fact, there's a point where you can't even get it high enough to benefit you. So you have some women who have polycystic ovarian syndrome who you give Femara to, 2.5 milligrams, nothing happens. Go to 5, nothing happens. 7.5, nothing happens. Eventually, you go to 10, you're going, why is this not working? Well, it's not working because the drug itself doesn't make the eggs grow. The drug only makes the body make more hormones. But there's a point where if your ovaries are so resistant to the medication because it takes a lot of hormones to get the eggs grow, even Femara and Clomid won't work because they're not the drug making the eggs grow. They're just tricking the brain and the brain only has so much it can give out. In that situation, that is where you need to add injections. Now, there are two ways to do that. You can either, one, give injections only, which is a little expensive. And also, you can end up with you know, high-order multiples because sometimes you can overstim. But the other option you can do is you can combine the two. You can use Femara and injections or Clomid and injections. And then that way, you get the best of both worlds and you don't have as high of a risk of high-order multiples. Now, when it comes to the safety profile, there is clearly nothing better than Clomid because it's been around for you know, 50 plus years. When it comes to Femara, it hasn't been around as long, but there really has been a shift and more people are using Femara than Clomid. And so we have enough data now that at least feel Femara is safe. Now, one of the things you'll hear about Femara is that it can cause birth defects. And there's some truth to this, but I want to make sure you understand Femara blocks testosterone from becoming estrogen. So if you were a female infant and you're taking Femara, you could then potentially cause testosterone levels to rise, which would then make your daughter develop basically ambiguous genitalia and it would look like she has a small penis. Now, this is more theoretical than actual risk. And the reason why is because you're taking Femara from the third to seventh day of your cycle. You're not taking it until, you know, late in the second trimester. And so for that reason, sex development doesn't even begin until about 10 weeks. So it's really theoretical because unless you're taking Femara while you're actively pregnant further along, it won't affect anything. So it's not something you really need to worry about. And again, it's been around long enough that people now know the safety profile of it I know that most people do actually better on it than Clomid when it comes to symptomology. So the takeaway from this episode is really how does Femara and Clomid work? 
We talked about it. They both trick the brain to make hormones. Who is it good for? What's good for people who are not ovulating or for people who are doing things like IUIs? Clomid and Fumar are not really beneficial to people who are already ovulating. And then the last caveat I would say is that it's not the strongest medicine in the world. I personally will only use Fumar and Clomid at max up to age 40. And even then, by 38, I'm usually adding some injections. But by the time someone gets past 40, the benefits of Clomid and Fumar are so weak, it really doesn't benefit them, and they really need to be on stronger medications. And that's because after 40, over 70% of the eggs are abnormal. So really getting two eggs isn't going to do it for you. As always, I hope this episode was good for you and that you were able to learn some things that maybe you didn't know. As always, if you can, please feel free to um, review us on Apple Podcasts and other podcast site. It just helps other people know about us. And uh, if you ever have any questions, please feel free to uh, write to us at TBFT. So that's Talk About Fertility Tuesday at NewDirectionFertility.com. Until next week, this is Talk About Fertility Tuesday. Fertility Tuesday.